welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Molly. Hi, Jody. Welcome to your very first banter of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I'm so excited. This is so fun. I'm so happy that you're on the team. So for um, anyone tuning in today, Molly is our new social media coordinator to support the podcast. So you'll see her amazing talents come to life if you visit us on TikTok or Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And she's going to make sure that she's sharing not just the stories of our guests, but the stories of what's happening behind the scenes as we make the show. Yeah, definitely. I am so, I've been loving working with Jodi already and, um, I've been teaching her how to lip sync on TikTok, which has been really fun. So yeah, if you want to follow any of our, or see any of our content, like follow us over there. So um, Molly, this is your first banter and um, it's an exciting banter to be a part of because we have our 200th episode celebrating our fifth anniversary of the show and our guest is amazing. Why don't you tell everyone who our guest is? Yeah, everyone. So our guest is the... TikTok incredibly famous superstar dermatologist, dermatology resident, um, Dr. Manib Shah. He is amazing. <laughs> so Dr. Shah is like a real celebrity in the skincare space. And what's so great about this episode, and I hope um, everybody who loves skincare listens to it, what's so amazing is he just like really just tells you what it's like to be um, a really busy resident who's also an incredibly prolific creator. And um, I, you know, got a little tired just listening to his schedule. Yeah, definitely. He seems like the busiest person I've met in a while, but he was so nice. And like one of the nicest people I've ever seen give an interview before. So this, the episode is like a really good one. Okay. And then for anyone who is um, just trying to keep up, we have a lot of changes at the show. So yes, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary this year. Uh, It was our 200th episode with Dr. Shaw. We also moved the show to a live stream format, which means that all of our fans can actually watch the show get created on YouTube Live, which is so cool. And then, of course, you're listening to us now, which means um, you're listening on a classic podcast app. So you can um, watch us make the show. You can listen to us on the show. Lots of ways to enjoy this content. Yeah, pretty much any way you want to enjoy content, we have the show on it. So Uh, What's also fun about doing the YouTube Live is um, we get to really make it like a show. So we took some um, inspiration from Andy Cohen and Watch What Happens Live, and we played a really fun skincare game with Dr. Shaw, and we're going to do games for every single one of our guests. That was my favorite part of the show. Yeah, it was so fun. And I think Dr. Shaw like got a huge kick out of it too. And I think it went really well for our first one. And all of like the graphics and the little noises that <laughs> Kiwi had in, like the little applaud and like the like celebratory music. I just thought it all was so fun and cute. And I think it's just like another fun way to get to know our guests on a different level. Right. Because my whole purpose of doing this show is to humanize our industry and make sure that um, we recognize that, you know, we're not marketing robots, right? Um, We're all humans and our career and personal journeys um, are fascinating, whether we're as notable as Dr. Shaw or working super behind the scenes. And, um, you know, that's what I love most about this show. And plus it's free therapy for me. Yeah, definitely. Getting to talk to anyone is always the greatest. I, I'm a chatty person. So I feel like podcasts that are more just like a natural conversation are always my favorite. Well, should we get to it then? Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, everybody, here's episode 200, Dr. Shaw. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. We're here. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited that you all joined us for this huge milestone moment. This is our show's fifth anniversary, and you tuned in for our 200th episode. Cue the confetti. Let me ring the bell. So I'm so excited. It's been such a journey. I'm so glad that five years ago, my coach, Alan, convinced me to start a podcast where I can really get to know people in our industry in a way that's much more personal and will really help me on my career journey. So thank you for tuning in. This is the start of our brand new show format. So with this episode and all future episodes, we will be live streaming on YouTube Live. So you'll actually get to see the show get made um, and watch the guests and I in conversation and meet the people who work behind the scenes making this show happen. So please subscribe to our channel here so you can get all future live stream notifications and be first to hear this amazing, helpful, therapeutic content. So our podcast theme for this quarter is technology, and we are thrilled to introduce you now to our 200th guest. I personally adore his edutainment and how he cleverly leverages social media platforms to make a difference in the world, introducing dermatologist Dr. Muneeb Shah. Hey, Dr. Shah. Hi, Jody. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a big ordeal. 200th episode. I'm completely honored to be here today. Well, um, this is like a fangirl moment for me because um, my whole team at Beast Beauty, we adore you. We loved watching your content. We love seeing how far you've progressed in leveraging social media to, to demystify and debunk the skincare myths that are out there. And there's so many that are weird and dangerous and sometimes cruel. So we're so grateful for the service that you give fans, but also how entertaining you make your content. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, um, Dr. Shaw, here's your um, formal welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, and I'm going to ask you my favorite question. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, think back to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? 11 years old? Probably a soccer player. Um, Not a doctor. That's a sure fact. Like, I didn't want to be a doctor until I was 21. So that was definitely not on my radar. I thought the school was way too long to be a doctor. So I was thinking, like, soccer player, entrepreneur, something like that. And then by the time I got to the age where like I actually had to make a decision, I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad at like 18, 19. Okay. So um, number one, were you great at soccer? I, w- I thought I was pretty good. I mean, you know, other people maybe didn't think so much, but I played, you know, JV and varsity for my high school. Uh, we won states. It was, uh, it was definitely something I enjoyed, but I don't think I was good enough if I'm looking back retrospectively to be like a professional soccer player. Okay. And then what about being 18 made you think that you wanted to be a stay-at-home dad? Well, every time I say this, people think that I'm not, be- I was not being serious that that's what I wanted to do because now all of a sudden, how did you go through 12 years of school and training Like, if you wanted to stay at home? But um, I think back to my mom who was absolutely brilliant. She graduated summa cum laude with a degree in computer engineering and then made the decision to stay home and raise me and my four, my three other siblings. And um, just like the values that she instilled in us, the morals, the ethics, like the hardworking. And she was just so knowledgeable and smart and like went out of her way to give us the best childhood. And I think a lot of people looked at it like she was sacrificing her career, but 
for her, she really enjoyed raising us. And I thought, well, like, I would love to instill that type of morals in my children. And so I was like, going to college, I'm like, how do I find a wife who can support me in the children type of situation? Um, but I really just wanted to be like what my mom had provided for me because I really looked up to her um, and how brilliant she was and everything. Like she even got her teaching degree while she was raising us so that she could feel comfortable like teaching us things after school, like math and pre-calculus. And she taught me all the way through high school and college every time I needed help with something because she was just so knowledgeable. Oh, that's so amazing. I mean, when my kids need help with math homework, I just have to YouTube it, you know? (laughs) So it's so incredible that she actually went like so far um, to help you and your your siblings really help your careers advance. Okay, so how do you go from 18 saying, this is what I want to prepare and set my life up for, to actually then deciding you're going to um, go to school to become a physician? So much of my life, very much unplanned, even the social media thing, which we'll talk about. I kind of take things day to day. And so the way that I looked at it was like, all right, I'm in college. Um, you know, I mean, I'll focus on one thing. I, you know, I majored in psychology Figured, you know, I'd meet somebody and then, you know, get married and stay at home and then didn't meet anyone in college. So I was like, all right, well, next step ended up in med school. And I'm like, all right, I met my wife in med school finally. And I'm like, I guess I've gone too far. I got to finish this thing out. Now I have, you know, $300,000 in debt. I can't just not work at this point, you know? So I just like found my wife in med school and I was like, well, I guess I just continue this thing um, as far as it goes. But um, it shifted and I ended up falling in love with medicine and dermatology. I mean, like this is truly my calling, but I really didn't have that objective when I started out. Okay. And how did you find dermatology? Because I know it's like really hard to actually figure out what your specialty is going to be. What's that story for you? So medicine, specifically like being a physician in medicine, because of how much training you need to do to be an expert in a particular topic, it is very difficult to switch once you've trained in something. Because after med school, you have to pick a particular specialty, we call that, and then we do something called a residency, and then maybe potentially a fellowship after that. And so you pick one thing to do forever. It's like, I'm going to be a pediatrician, that's three years. Internal medicine, that's three years. OBGYN, which is what my wife does, four years, general surgery, five years. And so dermatology is four years. And so once you pick something, you kind of have to stick with it. And so it's very difficult to make a decision in med school about what are you going to do for the rest of your life forever and ever in love. And you just really don't have enough data. I dabbled in a lot of different things, but ultimately ended up in dermatology because it's very visual. It's outpatient. You develop relationships with patients that are very intimate relationships. And the best thing about it, I think, is seeing patients do better. Like it's very visual. So if you have acne and we treat it and it gets better, I can show you photos before and after of the results. If you have a skin cancer, I can show you the before photo, the after photo of it being clear, we remove the skin cancer. And not everything is that simple. We have conditions that are more chronic conditions that don't just get 100% better, like removing a skin cancer. But even in those conditions, you can see gradual improvement and you develop a relationship with that patient as they progress through their treatment. And I absolutely love seeing those very visual results in patients and developing relationships with them, which is, I think, the most important part about being a physician is the relationship that you develop with your patients. So before we move into deeper questions, um, I want everyone to know what we talked about before we started recording, which is I asked you 
um, do I call you Dr. Shah? And you said, well, you can call me Muneeb, you can call me Shah, you can call me Dr. Shah. And I said that this would be so hard for me to actually not call you Dr. Shah because we talk about you <laughs> at work like, every day as Dr. Shah, but I'm going to try. So, um, you know, you might hear me throw in a Muneeb, you might th- hear me throw in a Shah. I will say with my New Jersey accent, it ends up sounding like Shaw, <laughs> um, which we found on um, Instagram with those auto auto um, subtitles. I wanted my Jersey accent to turn your name into Shaw. But um, I want you to know I'm going to practice being less formal with you, but it's going to be really hard. I think it's important, actually, the less formal thing. Because what I do on social media is try to show you that you and I are the same. Um, I did this extra education on a particular topic, but I have the same fears, I have the same concerns, I have the same family issues as every single person that's out there. And so, like, you don't need to call me doctor. Like, I know that I'm a doctor, but, like, you know, we're the same, and you have expertise in one thing, and I have expertise in another thing, and we need each other, you know, collectively for society to move forward. So the distance, I don't think, is, is, is something that I want to create between my audience and my patients and me. I love that. I mean, it really helps me um, because I think there's a parallel there with our show. Like the show is all about humanizing our industry and not just thinking about people on a stage who sold their business for a billion dollars, right? It's about the fact that like you go to the food store to buy eggs and so do I. Right, exactly. Okay, Muneeb, then let's talk about technology. That's the theme of our season. This quarter is all about technology. And we are so excited for you to come onto the show because look at what you've done with technology from the perspective of a physician. Like you've actually like, I think, crossed um, a boundary that hadn't been crossed before, which is um, truly um, making your specialty so humanized and so entertaining um, that your YouTube channel is one of the largest medical professional YouTube channels. Your TikTok is on fire. Um, and people just can't get enough of you. I mean, I hear on the, you know, the brand side, right? Like everybody wants <laughs> to, to get in front of Dr. Shaw. So um, why lean into social media? What has that, what was it um, impetus for even starting this? So like all things, you know, I kind of stumbled into it. I, mid-pandemic, our office slowed down a little bit. TikTok was just coming out and everyone was talking about it. And I just fell in love with the content, like the trends that would show up. Like I am a, a lot of people don't know this. I am a huge TikTok consumer. Like I watch videos like all day on TikTok. Like I I think it's the, the greatest platform for like sending you content that you might enjoy. And I, I just loved the creativity that was coming out. It was so different to, than Instagram to me, which was a lot of curated photos, a lot of people with lifestyles that I felt were like just out of reach for me and other people. But I just loved TikTok. I thought it was just, it, it came off to me as much more organic. And so I just started to create content for fun. And actually my first couple of videos were not like really dermatology videos. They were just me kind of like having fun, kind of poking at the medical profession. And then all of a sudden people started to see me as like a professional. So they'd ask me like, well, how do you treat acne? And I was like, well, I know how to treat acne. I do this every day. Boom. I put out a video. Then like thousands of comments, like, well, how do you treat dark spots after acne? I'm like, well, I know how to do that. Do that. You know, like, boom, make a video, just like simple, straightforward. Like I was talking to people how I felt like I wanted to be talked to when I didn't know anything about skin. Like just very simple, straightforward. I think we take for granted, like 
when you become an expert in something, what other people might know about it. Like, I literally don't know anything about cars. Like, my brake fluid was low. I, I don't even know what that means necessarily. But I go to the mechanic and they'll tell me what that means. But I want them to make it simple for me. And so that's how I felt about dermatology. I was like, let me just make it simple for anyone to understand uh, that doesn't have any expertise in this particular subject. And so I created very, very simple videos answering very, very common questions. And then it just took off. Um, and that was just the nature of the nature of TikTok. And so I just realized in that moment, like I have something that is unique and it's an opportunity that I need to either decide, do I focus on residency, which I continue to focus on, or do I like double down on TikTok and social media because there's an opportunity here uh, for me to reach a larger audience that I could never reach in my lifetime in clinic. Like I could never see, I think I had like 7 billion views uh, last year on social media. Like I, in my lifetime, I could never like if I was seeing people in, in clinic, I could never see that many people. And so I was like, this is an opportunity to educate. And I just doubled down on it. Was there a moment where you like saw it crystal clear? Like, yes, this is absolutely something I need to lean into and devote a lot of time to. There was a couple moments, like there were videos that went viral that I realized, okay, like I have an, op- I, I maybe have an edge in like being able to present information to people that is quick and easy to understand. And so I felt like I had understood the platform and what people were looking for. So it was like, okay, I can do this. And then it was like, should I do this? I started to get like feedback from people. Like when I would do videos about skin conditions, like acne or hydratinitis suppurativa, or just, you know, conditions of the skin that a lot of people weren't familiar with. And then being like, oh, I have this. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know other people had it. Like, I was like, this is really important what I'm doing. Or like someone would comment, like, I got a mole checked out because I saw your video and it ended up being cancer and we got it removed because of you. Like stuff like that. I was like, whoa, this is like really, really impactful. And then there was, this kind of a little, little deep, but going back to like my intern year when I trained in internal medicine, like there was like a shell shock period when you go from med school to like training in the hospital and you see people who are perfectly healthy one day get sick with something or they end up in a car accident or just like life changes so quickly. And I think as a physician, you realize like how fragile life can be. And I started to think to myself then, like, what is my impact on the world? Like, you know, like it's deep, but like, what if, what it like, you know, what impact am I having on the world overall? And so I, I like that moment, plus what I was doing on social media, I was like, I can bring these together and have like a positive impact on the world. That if something were to happen to me, I would feel like I left an overall positive impact on the world. When I um, start to think about doing something that's really exciting to me, but like totally new territory like this, like what we're doing today, um, my heart races, like it gets like a little crazy. You know, I have a visceral reaction to my future goals. And I used to think that said to me, don't do it. It's it's too scary or you're not ready. Now I'm like, oh, my body's saying this is really exciting and brand new and you're going to go for it and it's going to be awesome. Does your body send you a signal in a moment like this when you're like, I have this opportunity and I'm going to seize it? I'm the kind of person, I actually like that a lot because a lot of times like the most worthy things of pursuing like have some fear unknown component to it. And anytime I've gone down that path, it's always turned out to be a great thing for me. So I'm glad like you recognize that. For me, I'm like, I ruminate like while I lay in bed or I'm in the shower and I think about things like very thoroughly. Like a lot of my stuff comes off as like, I didn't put a lot of thought, but 
I'm like always thinking about like constantly about like, what does this mean? Like, what should I do next? And I think I was just like laying in bed one day and just thinking about the day. And I was like, I have to do, like, I have to continue with this. Like, this is like a moment, like, and I see it like clearly that if I stick with this, that something good things will come from it. So um, it was just one of those days where I was ruminating on where I was in life. Well, let's go into the mundane. Like, we love minutia here. Our fans love it because um, it, it really does help demystify how people move through the world, how, how success is created. So literally, how do you organize and split your time between seeing patients and doing all this work on all these platforms? And then, by the way, like, you respond to DMs and um, tag posts. Like, we don't know how you have a time to do this off. Yeah, so there's a finite amount of time in a day and you realize quickly it's not that much time once you start to be very busy. And and unfortunately, like I wasn't somebody who, like if somebody is out there right now um, that's, you know, their life is not that complex right now, my advice to you would be to come up with a system to plan your day, even if you know in your mind what you're going to do that day. Because I wish I would have done that before I got so busy because right now I have no infrastructure to build off of. Like if I had a good organizational structure and then all of this stuff happened, I would fit it into that schema, but I didn't have anything. And so like now I'm like kind of playing backwards on all this. Like how do I create a schedule when I've never had a schedule before? But I really just work an insane amount of hours that I don't recommend to most people. Like I wake up at five o'clock, I walk my dog, drink my coffee, get to work by seven, work from work from seven to maybe six or seven at night. So that's like 12 hours. And then I get on my call, on a call with a man, my manager from LA who's three hours behind. So it's like normal hours for her. And then um, I talk to her about like, what do I have to do today as far as content creation from some of the brands that I work with? And then once we sort all that out, I go and I make organic content <laughs> that I need to post to my social media channels or things that I've thought of or people, things that people have been tagging me in all day. I'll respond to them or react to them. And then I do that all week. And then on the weekend, I shoot YouTube videos with uh, one of the doctors I work with, Dr. Luke Maxfield. And it's literally a 24-7 thing for me right now, which is not necessarily healthy. Um, okay, so... This is really fascinating to me because um, I'm wondering, like, how is this sustainable, <laughs> like, as a human? You know, like, how do you keep this? Like, um, Emily on my team, she says social media doesn't have office hours. Like, how do you how do you continue down this path trying to um, shove as much as possible into a limited amount of time? It really doesn't have office hours. And I think that TikTok has made it worse or better, however you look at it, because the way that I think Instagram and YouTube traditionally worked was that you'd pretty much be viral in the co countries that you live in. And, and, you know, not always true, but usually within like a similar time zone. But TikTok videos are going viral in like, you know, South Africa, like India initially before they removed TikTok from India. But like, you know, Indonesia, Malaysia, like all over the world. And so you're getting comments 24-7. And like, do you respond to those comments? Do you respond to those DMs? You could always be creating more content, like especially as, you know, a dermatologist. Like we have unlimited, like not, like not unlimited knowledge, but we have like unlimited, like different topics we could talk about related to the skin or skincare products. Or, you know, it becomes like a, a thing where you're like, you could actually get caught in the cycle of like, I can't get out of this because this is like 
there's this unlimited amount of things that you could be doing that you're not doing. And then it kind of weighs on you pretty heavy. Like I could be doing more. Um, so for me, I just have gotten better about like sleep hygiene because I used to, I used to sort of envy those people that would say like, well, I only sleep like two hours a day. And like, you know, that's how I'm so productive. And I'm like, well, after you do that for like six months, you start to feel it and you lose your creativity. Um, you don't function as well. Like you're there, but you're not there. You're not like peak optimal itself. And so I'm trying to like prioritize like, okay, I'm going to go to bed at this time, even if not everything is done that day. And then I'll pick it up tomorrow. Um, so it's those types of things where you try to pick out things that are really like slowing you down. And for me, it was like not sleeping enough and try to prioritize those things. So when you um, started to um, prioritize sleep and you know that there's still a long list, did that create like any sort of anxiety inside of you that you had to reconcile? Because like, obviously there's always going to be a list, but like, did you start to feel like the, that pressure? No, it was actually kind of a relief for me. It was, it was really interesting because it was a TikTok video that encouraged me to do this. I saw some guy on my For You page and he said, and I was like in bed, like not sleeping. And he was like, the reason you don't go to sleep at a reasonable time at night is not because you're going to get a bunch of work done but it's because you have a bunch of work to do. And, and because you know you have to get it done, you punish yourself by staying up until you're too tired to finish that task. And then you fall asleep. And now you just wasted three hours. You never got the task done. And now your, your next day is also gonna be a waste. And so I was like, wait, I'm doing that right now. Like I have all these tasks that I know I can't get done today. So I punish myself by staying up and then I don't complete them. And then I just end up going to sleep at like 2 a.m. And now, my, now I'm exhausted the next day. And so I was like, wait, I do this every day. Like, why not just complete what I can complete in a day at a reasonable time and then start over the next day? And so like, for me, it was like a big relief. And I realized like nothing changed when I, when I started doing that. Like I was still getting everything done on the times that I was supposed to get them done. I love this topic because um, I use the word seduction to describe like the potential like for career growth like it is really seductive um it's not like a typical word that we use you know to talk about like career journey but this idea of like if i tackle three more things today i'm this much closer to my goal whatever that goal is right but that also has a cost right it's exciting because like you love your work but on the downside it's like well what what could you be doing with that time like sleeping or eating healthy or getting fresh air right so um, i'm fascinated by this topic because I I think we're lucky enough to work in a business that's super thrilling and exciting and there's always new challenges and people supporting us but that comes with a cost sometimes when we don't really think about what we need beyond the work yeah i, I think because like you said it's definitely seductive and you almost feel like guilty that you have like this opportunity that like almost you you should be you should be grateful that you have so much to do right like that's the way that I was looking at it when all these opportunities were coming my way. I was like, this is like amazing. Like, and, and I think actually gratitude is probably the main thing that keeps me like not feeling burnt out. Like is like taking a moment to say like, wow, look how far I've come or what I've accomplished over this past year is like amazing, like beyond like my wildest dreams. If I thought about my dreams three years ago. Right. But in the moment, you're like, wow, like I'm so overwhelmed. But then you're like, wow, like look what I've accomplished. But I really think that it does get like seductive to like want to continue to push yourself further and further. And I think in our society, it's almost like something that people really 
look at somebody and they're like, wow, like they accomplished so much. And so you kind of get hooked on that. And like, you have to step aside from it and be like, this is not good for me or what I'm actually doing. It's not, I'm going to, I'm less effective at my job if I continue to do this. And so it's not good either way. Okay. So, um, the other side of this question is, um, I didn't hear a lot of free time. I heard walking dog and coffee, but with your free time, when you carve it out and not sleep, um, what do you like to be spending your time doing? So I like spend like my wife is the one that kind of keeps me grounded in that sense because she because I could work all day and I would be okay with that but she's not okay with that and so what I do is like when she wants to hang out or like watch a movie she's actually a huge fan of Bravo um, and the Real Housewives like that's like her jam and so like we'll sit down and we'll watch her shows. And we'll just like enjoy time together or we'll go on vacations together. And so she kind of keeps me grounded in reality of like, you can't work all the time. Um, like, let's just hang out and like spend time together. So um, she's really good about that. But if it, she wasn't in the equation, I don't know if if or how I would turn it off. Um, okay. I loved hearing about other Bravo fans. Um, <laughs> I have to say that programming just makes me so happy. Um, okay. Let's switch gears. You are completing your residency this year. So everybody wants to know, Muneeb, what's next? What's next? So still trying to figure that out, but I'm very, very close. Um, I will be practicing dermatology, seeing patients in clinic, doing everything that I already do. Uh, schedule will be reduced because residency is always harder than like what you do at, when you're out in practice. Like you work more hours, you study more. Like So my schedule will be better from a clinical perspective, but I'll still be seeing patients doing everything. Um, and where that is yet, not 100% sure, very close to deciding, <laughs> but not 100% there yet. And then I'll continue to create content. Um, I think I'm going to continue to do TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I want to expand into more like, basically highlighting the dermatology community because I think there are so many interesting people that are doing amazing things in dermatology. And I think on social media, we don't do a good job of like highlighting the full field of dermatology because it's really a fascinating field. Like you see a lot of like pimple popping stuff. You see a lot of like cyst excisions. Um, you see a lot of like that gory graphic content in one spectrum. And then on the other spectrum, you see a lot of that like skincare stuff, which is like just like, you know, retinols and sunscreens. And, but there's so much in between that that we do from like psoriasis to, you know, hydratinitis to skin cancers to um, laser procedures and all this kind of stuff. Like birth defects, we fix like vascular birth defects on kids' faces and things like that. That is like really important work that is really important to a lot of people that we don't necessarily highlight on social media. So my goal is to kind of use my platform, my audience to, to highlight the experts that are really moving the field of dermatology forward. So how do you pick where to go, right? So I imagine this is, um, this is not just about where do you want to practice, but you know, how, how can you help reach this goal, which is you know, amplifying um, other dermatologists and dermatology? What are, what's in the equation? And also, right, you have a wife who's a practicing physician as well. Yeah, so we have to plan around where she's going to find a job. Um, we have to plan around where I'm going to find a job. What do I want to do in practice? So there's so many different things that go into the equation. Um, really, for me, it's like, where can I provide the best care to my patients while still 
being able to like film in the clinic and all that kind of stuff, be able to do social media the way that I want to do it, but at the same time, like be able to provide really high quality care to patients, which is where this all started and what's grounded. Like this is the grounding of all this. It's like the patient, which is why for me, it's so important to practice dermatology. Like I could be like a social media dermatologist, like, and just do that. Right. But um, I think you lose perspective, like on what the people want on like the ground floor. Like, like what are people asking you? What concerns do they have? Like we see people of all different socioeconomic statuses and you tell them like, go buy um, this cleanser. And they're like, I don't have $30. Like, and on social media, I think you lose that, like, because you kind of end up in a bubble. But like when you're seeing patients that need to decide between like food and a skincare product, then you are very grounded in the reality of like what most humans experience on a day-to-day basis. And so for me, it's like very important perspective wise, but it's also like what I love. Like it's like, I I love going to clinic and talking to my staff and like working with our nurses, talking to patients, developing relationships with them. Um, So I don't know yet exactly um, how to craft the perfect practice, um, but I know that I just want to be able to do all of that. Okay. Um, Back to being in the practice, um, we're curious about what impact your social media persona has been able to have with patients. Like, are, has there been anything unexpected where, like, you know, something that you could never have imagined, like the, the impact your social media world has on actually people who are walking through the door and meeting you in a treatment room? Yeah, so there's a lot of people that call the office, which I think is awesome because for me, it means like they really like trust me. And like, I even have like some doctors call the office, like who are not dermatologists. Like they may be like emergency medicine doctors or working in an urgent care. And they'll like call the office, like, oh, like we send them photos. Like we have like an interesting case and we don't know what it is. And so like social media has such a reach and like you are perceived as the expert, which is something that I've always kind of struggled with because like, I always feel like I have mentors that are like more of an expert than I am. You know what I mean? Like I'm very like conscious of that. Um, Like I work the hardest to be the best at what I do because I think that makes you a good doctor. And like, there's nothing I like, I I don't want to know. Like I want to know everything about dermatology, but there are people that are literally been doing this like 30, 40 years that are my mentors that I lean on, that I ask questions to. And so those people I feel like are my mentors and and the experts. Um, But the world perceives you as like, you know, the expert in all things. And, you know, I've learned a lot. And so like, I consider myself to be very knowledgeable, but like I, there are people that certainly know more than I do. And so um, when people reach out to you, it's because they trust you, um, not necessarily because like you are the ultimate expert. And I think that that's something that social media really builds for people that a lot of, a lot of people don't seem to understand fully is like the trust aspect that's built into social media versus like your traditional physicians, which is like built much much on their resume and their experience, there's now this new trust factor that people believe you because they see you constantly putting out good, accurate, and trustworthy information. And so um, that's been really interesting to me. But like, I think it's always the individual patients that really have the most impact on me. It's like the person who walked in the door. I think the best example, and I've already mentioned it a few times, is like this condition called hydradenitis superativa is a condition where you get these like boils And it almost like everyone thinks they're ingrown hairs or cysts in the armpit, but really it's an inflammatory condition of the hair follicle that gets misdiagnosed by everybody. So this classic patient will go to the ER a bunch of times throughout their life. They'll have these 
boils, they'll get them drained, they'll go home on no medications and never get treated for this thing. And then be embarrassed that they have these like things that smell bad, that drain, they become reclusive, they don't wanna go on dates, they don't wanna meet people because they have these, these, these disfiguring boils in their armpits and groin and they never seek out treatment for it. And so the issue is like, how do you let people know that this is a condition that we can treat and this is what it is? And so I've done a lot of videos around this particular topic and I've had patients actually come in and say, like, I have hydroadenitis suppressiva, like, I'm seeking treatment for it. And I'm like, well, how do you know you have hydroadenitis suppressiva? And they're like, I saw your videos, like, on social media. And, like, I came here because I didn't know that I had this condition or that it could be treated. And they've been, you know, struggling with it for 10 years. And so the impact in that way for me is, like, wow, like, I, like, am impacting people I don't even know exist. Um, and it's actually, it's actually motivating them to improve their lives. And so um, those are like surreal moments for me. Like when you're making videos in your room alone, you don't think that there are all these people out there, you know? This is awesome. Okay, my last question. What is the most significant skin health myth that you want to debunk? Mm. Significant myth. I mean, you know, there's always, there's so many myths out there. I think probably the one that I really want to debunk for people, because I think this is something that a lot of people think, um, and I thought too, is that like you need to spend a lot of money to like have good or healthy skin. And that is just not true. Like, I mean, there's so much, like I, I debunk a lot of like um, marketing things that go out there, but truthfully, you can have very good skin um, for low prices, they don't need to necessarily be expensive products if you know what ingredients to look for and are sort of educated on what products are gonna help your skin. But I, I think the biggest myth I thought, and that was my barrier to entry to skincare when I first started to be interested in skincare, was that I thought I couldn't afford it and that it was like just something that was way out of my reach for like the average person. And I think with all the new products that are coming out, there's so many good options for people to have much better skin at a very low cost. I love this. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom, Dr. Shaw. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.